volume up here. Don't our praise and worship do a good job? Yes. It's always anointed. Did you come expecting something today? I've already had an encounter with God. I'm good enough. Right? I'm good to go. I don't, need to, I don't even need to preach anymore. I've already had my experience with him today. That's what we should come to church looking for, right? Is an encounter with Almighty God. I'm going to talk to you today about... I just want to take a little bit of your time. I'm going to try to be short today. I'm shooting for 20 minutes today. How many of y'all think I can do it in 20 minutes? I shot for 30 minutes last week, and it took me 42. But I think I can do it in 20 this week. All right? I'm going to talk to you today about the parable of the sower. You might say that's not a traditional Christmas message, and I'll explain that to you here in a little bit. Are we ready with the podcast? Good to go? For those of you who don't know, we have a podcast. It's on, uh, if you get on their, uh, Facebook, everybody has Facebook, I think, besides me in the world, in the free world anyway. Get on there and, and like Grace Family Worship Center. You'll get all of our updates of our podcast every week. Um, you can hear all the messages that we preach here. So today's going to be about the parable of the sower, right? And Jesus uses parables in the Bible to teach uh, uh, lessons that everyone, he, he teaches, he uses parables to teach supernatural lessons in a natural way because we can see natural things. So he was talking to these people about farming, right? About sowing of seeds, right? They didn't have modern farm equipment. They did it in a way such that, I've done it with grass seed. Anybody, anybody ever planted grass seed with your hand? Where you just cast it out. You take a handful of it. Not all of it goes right in rows like they do with modern farming equipment, right? We don't, we, they don't go in a perfect row where all the plants are, are separated in an equal space, right? When I plant my grass seed, I just throw it out there like that. And some of it falls on the ground right there. Where, first, when you do it, you rake up the ground, don't you? you? Break it up. So some of it falls in the good dirt. Some of it falls up on the rocks. A little bit of it gets on the sidewalk, right? The stuff that's on the sidewalk, it doesn't take root up there though, right? He, he, talks about, he talks about farming. He talks about sowing seeds, right? So back in the day, this is what it would look like. They would have went out and they'd have broke up the ground. They would have spread their seed. A man would be carrying a bag. He'd reach in, pull out a seed, scatter it out. Or depending on how much ground he was working with, he may have a donkey or some kind of an animal that he had seed, bags of seed tied on there, but he still was doing it by hand. He was throwing it out there by hand. So he talked to him about this and he talked to him about four types of soils. Y'all notice I'm talking fast? I do this sometimes when I'm nervous. I talk fast. Here in about five or ten minutes, I'll settle down. We'll go ahead and preach. Okay? So he talks to him about four different types of soils. Also, he talked to him about the stuff that fell by the wayside. Some of it went up on the sidewalk, and the birds snatched it up right away. They took it off. It never got a chance to do anything. Right? Then he talked about the second type was rocky soil. Now, all these things were natural to the area of the people he was teaching in. The rocks that they had there were big, huge slabs of rocks with just a little fine layer of dirt over the top of them. So this stuff would, the seed would get in there and it would take root and it would spring up real fast and then it would die because it didn't have moisture, it didn't have the nutrients. And, and that, that dirt on top of that big slab of rock would dry out fast, right? So he talked about the thorny soil. He talked about the good soil. So we're going to pick this up here in Luke 8, 4 through 15. I got a lot of scripture today, but I really want you to see this. I want you to see this not just some crazy bald-headed preacher up here telling you these things, but it's actually in the Word of God, right? All my, all my sermons are, are rooted in the Word of God. Who would have thought it? And when a great multitude had gathered, Jesus gathered crowds, you know. They liked the stories that he told. They liked these parables that he was teaching of. He gathered big crowds, five, ten thousand. We don't know how many people, at least five thousand at a time, though, right? He, they fed five thousand men. That's not to count the women and, and, and the children and, and, and everybody else. So, and when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him or come to him from every city, every city he spoke by a parable, <clears throat> a sower went out and to sow seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. That's the first type of soil, right? You notice that the seed is the same in every, in every one of these circumstances. The seed is always the same. Fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Come on, sis. Some fell on rock, and, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. 
that's that on top of that big pile, that big slab of rock, there'd be just a little thin layer of dirt, and that dries out very fast. Are you following me? Come on. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it out. Come on. But others fell on good, keep this one up for a second, sis. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. A hundredfold. Think about that. The seed was the same in all these things, but a hundredfold. All the seed was the same, but the soil was different, right? So the success of the seed has nothing to do with the seed, right? All the seed's good. It has to do with the soil. It has everything to do with where the, soil, with where the seed lands, then wouldn't you say, right? The increase is dependent, the increase or the quality of the increase is dependent upon the soil. So sometimes we think God's word isn't working. We need to check the soil. What kind of dirt are you? We need to check that soil out. In 8 there, he also goes on to say, and when he had said these things, he cried. Doesn't say he whispered, right? That's not what it's talking about, right? Cried. He yelled it out loud. He said, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Let him hear. So if you have an ear, that means obviously it's possible if you have an ear or maybe even two ears that you hear this, you may not get it, right? You may not understand it. You may hear the seed or the word of God and not take anything away from it. Are you following me? I'm going somewhere with all this. Just, just stay with me for a minute. So if you, you, you can hear and not get it, or th- this means that it's possible then to sit in the church for years, right? Listen to preaching for years. Get in this book here and read it for years. No matter how you're getting it, you're hearing it or you're reading it. You may read this thing and just not get it. Just don't understand it. Just take it, I mean, it, it just stays on the surface with you. The disciples, though, in, in verse 9 says, come on, sis. Then his disciples asked him, saying, what does this parable mean? So his disciples, they wanted to go further. They wanted to seek after God a little further. They, they, they got this parable, but, but what's this parable mean? What do I do with this parable? How do I apply this parable to my life? And what do I look like because of it? Where do I go with this thing? I just didn't take the word and, and leave it on the surface, but, but they want to know where we go from here. What does this mean to me? What should this change my life to look like? How do I apply this to my life? They wanted to seek God further on a deeper, le- deeper level. You get what I'm saying here? So then in, in, he says, and said to you, did I read that whole verse? To you, it, it, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Now that word mysteries right there, if you look it up in the Greek, it means secret. You've been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But to the rest, it is given in parables that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, is this saying Jesus is trying to hide something from them? Think about this. He wants the ones who seek and ask and knock to know more, to be given. The more you're given, right, the more you'll have if you're seeking out after it. But also at this time, some of my study Bibles t- teach me that, that at this time he was, he was kind of giving things in different lingos to keep people from making statements against him they wanted to hang him at this time are you following me so in 11 says this now the parable is this the seed is the word of god the seed is the word of god not all all the soil is good but we have to spread all the seed who's the sower we're the sower right the seed is the word of god we're the sower so we have to put all the seed out I can't just seed part of my yard and expect all of it to come up. We have to put all the seed out, even though not all the soil is good. Don't get discouraged by that. You're going you're to give the word of God to people who are going to make fun of you. You're going to give the word of God to people who don't agree with you. You're going to give the word of God to people who think you're nuts. You're wasting your time. You should sleep in on Sunday and save all your money. You're going to give the word of God to these people, but some people you're going to give the word of God to, it's going to get down in that rich, deep soil, and it's going to change their life. 
Those are the ones that make it all worth it. When you see someone's life radically changed and turned around, and then, then the next thing you know, someone else in their family comes in, and someone else in their family comes in, and it begins to spread. This area over here is filled up because of Crystal. Crystal Patton came, and then her family started coming in. Are you following me? And this area back here, this row back here, is because of Sister Tanya. You follow me? And this here is the Whirlies. You get what I'm saying? That's how it works, and it spreads throughout the whole family. And 12 says this. So don't get discouraged because not all the soil is good. God says not all the soil is going to be good, but we have to spread all the seed anyway. By, by those by the wayside are the ones. He's explaining the story now. He's explaining what the parable means. This is Jesus preaching. Those by the wayside are, are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart, lest they should, be, uh, should believe and be saved. Now think about this. Some people are going to come to the church, and they're going to discount what they say before they get to the parking lot. Yeah. Right? They're, they're already doing and saying the things that they did before they came in. They might have got a little emotional jolt when they came into the church. They, they might have got in their emotions. Emotions are up and down, though. But they, they, the devil steals what they got before they get to the parking lot. And, and 13, or 13 says this, <clears throat> But the ones on the rock are those who, when they heard, received the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time, temptation, they fall away. We've all seen people like this, right? You have gave them the seed. You have gave them the word of God. They take that word of God, they apply it to their life, it starts to take root, it starts to grow, they start to change, and then temptation comes along. Temptation comes along, and they fall back to temptation. This is not me saying this, this is the word of God. And 14 says this, Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures. Now let's talk about this first. Uh, uh, I want to talk about that again, but let's, let's read on. Cares and riches... Come on, sis, back to 14. I was just wanting to talk about that sentence. They're choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Their fruit never matures because they're worried about what? The cares of this world, right? The cares of this world. Riches, these are the people that come in, but then their job becomes more important. Are you following me? People become more important than God does, right? A lot of times the blessing that God blesses them with becomes more important to them than making it back to church. Or to make it to spend that time with God because God's blessed them with these things and that blessing takes over their life. It consumes them in their life, right? Are you following me? We've all seen this, right? Yeah. Most everybody that's been here very long has seen this. And 15 says this. <clears throat> oh, first off in 14, something to go with that. In Matthew 13, I'm not going to read it, just, just write this down if, you, if you're going to go back and read it. Matthew, four, or Matthew 13, 24 through 30 gives a parable of the tares, right? He's talking about thorns here. Parable of the tares are weeds. So it talks about a man who goes out, a farmer or a landowner who goes out and plants his, his field by hand. He goes out there and plants it. His, his servants come in and say, Master, someone has planted tares. Did you plant tares with the, good, with, the, with the wheat when you planted it? And he said, I didn't do that. The enemy came and did it. Who's our enemy? Satan. Satan, the devil, right? He plants tares in with the good seed. So they said, Master, should we go out and uproot the tares right now so that they don't grow up with, with, with the wheat? And he said, no, don't do that because you'll kill a lot of the wheat doing that. You'll kill the wheat tearing up the tares, tearing up the weeds, the things that are planted with them that the enemy put in there. You'll, you'll kill the wheat with that. So let them all grow up together. And then when they grow up together and they mature, we'll harvest them all. We'll burn the tares, Right? Notice the picture there? We'll burn the tares, and then we'll put the wheat in the barn. Or we'll take care of the wheat. We'll take care of the good seed. The seed's all good. It's just the soil that it falls on. Are you following me? 
So that's the parable. That's the enemy plan of the tares, though. The tares grow, and he puts the wheat at the barn. And then 15 says this, But the ones that fell on good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Those ones who just day in and day out, they keep applying the word, they keep digging in, just like those disciples did. They come and they want more and they want more. They increase their spiritual hunger. They continue to want more and more and more of God's word, right? Just like the disciples did. We can change the condition of our soul, though, with God's help, right? Just like the, the, the disciples did. They came and they looked for more. We can come and look for more. It takes discipline to do this, though. It's hard to change yourself if you're the bad soul. Look at ourselves today. Look at our heart condition. I'm talking about the ones who've been sitting in church for, for years, or maybe this is your first time today. Maybe you've never heard this before. But check yourself today. Check your own heart today. The disciples came after Jesus looking for, looking for more. They weren't satisfied with just a little bit. They wanted more. Matthew 7, 23 through 20, 24. Matthew 7, 24 to 27 says this. Therefore, whoever, this is Jesus talking again. This is not me. I'm not making this up. Jesus Christ, look it up in your own Bible. It's in red letters. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, does what with them? Does them, right? You all awake today? Does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Come on. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall. It did not fall for it was founded on the rock. What is the rock? The rock is Jesus. The rock is the word of God. When he says, Peter, I built upon this rock, I'll build my church. He was talking about a revelation that, that Peter got from God, right? He was talking about the word upon the rock. Jesus Christ, come on, Jesus was the word, right? He was the word, he was the way, the truth, and the life. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And 27 says this, And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Great was its fall. So you notice in both these stories, they were building something. Church, we're all building something. You're building something, whether you, believe, whether, you, whether you realize you're building something or not, right? You can either be a foolish man or you can be a wise man, the Bible says, right? The word, though, you're building, your, if you're a wise man, you're building your, your house on the word, right? That's what he's talking about here, the seed. The seed, whether you read the seed, whether, whether you hear the seed, whatever it is, it's just a seed when you get it. The word is the seed, but you have to build something. It's a daily process that we go through to build it and build it and build it, either on the word or you build it on the world, Right? It's either wise or foolish. There's nothing down the middle. It's either wise or foolish. We're all building something, though. What are you building today? Can I give you this definition of the house here also? This house right here, he's not talking about a house of sticks. He's not talking about a pile of bricks. He's talking about your household. He's talking about your spouse. He's talking about your children, right? He's talking about your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews. This affects everyone around you. Whatever you're building on. If you're building on the Word of God, it's going to affect everyone around you. If you're building on the world, it's going to affect your children. It's going to affect everyone around you. This is what he's talking about today. You want to be wise or you want to be a fool? That's what Jesus is talking about here, isn't it? Notice those wise, whether you're wise or whether you're a fool, though, the storm is still going to come. I'm not going to sell you a false bill of goods today. I'm not going to tell you if you get saved, if you give your heart to God. If you take this seed and you do the best you can do and you dig in and you dig in and you dig in, everything's going to be perfect. It's not. That would be a lie. But I am going to tell you this. Whether you're building your life on the world and your family on the word or if you're building it on the world, the storm is going to come. The difference is you've got God. 
right there to carry you through it, to provide everything. Over 3,300 promises in this book that belong to each and every one of us. But it's up to us. He gave us a free will, right? James 1, 21 and 22 says this. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is a implanted word. See that right there? Implanted word, which is able to save your souls, right? When you're born, you're spiritually dead, right? Your soul is in trouble. The day you get saved and you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're made alive spiritually. Are you following me? Your soul is being saved. Right? This word, this word that's implanted down in our heart into that good soil, implanted into the good soil, is what's able to save our souls. That word, we have to get that word down inside of us. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good fruit, the Bible says. You may have heard all this before. Some some of you are thinking this right now. Oh, actually, I need to read 22 to you. Come on. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. Wouldn't a fool be deceived? Right? Be doers of the word. We have to be doers of God's word. Some of you are probably thinking right now, it's Christmas, preacher. I didn't come here to hear all this stuff about the seed. I wanted to hear about the little baby in the manger, see my kid in the play, and get on out the back door. I'm going to give you a choice to make today, though. You're going to make a decision before you get out of here, right? Why are you talking about the seed? Why are you talking about that? Maybe you've heard all this before. Maybe you've been here for a long time. Maybe you're well-versed in the Bible. You've heard all these things before. What did Jesus say? To him that has an ear, let him hear. Let him hear. Maybe you'll do something different with this seed than you've done in the past. Some of us need to do something different with this seed than we've done in the past. Some of us are one of those bad soils, right? We can change that today. We can get that right today. I can't. You can with Christ. You can with God. It's Jesus' birthday today. That's what Christmas is about, right? It's not about, it's not about presents. It's not about lights. It's not about fat man in a suit. Are you following me? Those are all things that is commercialized. That's, that's greed is what that is. Most of it's about greed and, and people, they commercialize it so much so they can make a buck off of a holiday that's supposed to mean something totally different than what they want to make it mean, right? The church has Christmas as being a nativity scene. You can go everywhere and see a nativity scene, and you know that's the, that's the Christian, uh, Christian way of looking at Christmas. It's a little baby in a manger, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but it's a little baby in a manger, but... It's really Jesus' entrance. He didn't come here to be a baby. You heard in the songs they were singing today. It was his entrance into this world is what it was to be a sacrifice, to become a high priest so that I could boldly go to the throne room of God. I didn't have to come to a man anymore to take my sacrifice into the holiest of holies. Now we can just come and we can pray to God. He was our sacrifice because we couldn't live it down. He came to make the new covenant, the new testament. We say they didn't have the new testament before where you could you could pray and be saved and come through the blood of Jesus Christ. Didn't have that before he was here. He came to make that new testament, that new covenant, that new deal between us and God. So we could be reconciled back to God. You follow me? This is what he was born to do. He was he was born, he was that little baby in that manger, but there was a bigger purpose for it. There was a bigger reason for it. It wasn't just to be that cute little baby in the manger and be this nativity scene and so that we could all give each other presents. It's not what it was about. He came for a reason. In Luke 13 and 24, they asked Jesus, are there only a few that are going to be saved? And Jesus said, strive to enter through the the narrow gate, for many, I tell you, will not be able to. And he was talking to the church at this time. He was talking to the church. He was talking to the people that he was preaching to. Can you imagine going to the church where Jesus Christ was preaching? That would be awesome, wouldn't it? 
Picture that. We'd never want to leave there. But he said, many are not going to make it that day. And that, that word many right there, if you look it up in the Greek, it means much, many, or most. Much, many, or most of the church are not going to make it into heaven. This is Jesus Christ. This isn't me. If you look at this parable that he gave us here about the parable of the sower, think about it. It's a four to one ratio. Four to one ratio that yield fruit. Three out of four are not going to make it, according to this parable right here. Everyone that hears is not going to do. They're not. We're just not. All the seed is good, though, but only one in four produce fruit. It's the landing spot that matters. It's where that seed lands at. It's our hearts, folks. It's our hearts. God's word is not working. If it's not working, check the ground. Check the ground where it's landed at. What kind of dirt are you? Think about that. He talks about a parable of the sower, and he made us out of dirt. He scraped up Adam and Eve out of the dirt, and then he talks about it. He's talking about us. What kind of dirt are you? Don't, we're all just dirt. Don't think too highly of yourself because you're dirt. <laughs> it's the truth. What kind of dirt are we, though? Are we good, receptive kind of dirt? Or are we dirt that's just going to throw the seed out with the, with, with the wash? 2 Peter 3 and 9 says, God wants not one to perish. He wants not one to perish. But he gave us the free will. You have a choice to make today. You have a choice to make today. Jesus was born to take our place. So you don't have to perish. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it also says for the wages of sin is death. Wages, when I go to work and I get my check when I work, right? That's wage. That's what I've earned. You've earned death. I've earned death. That's what we deserve. But Jesus came born in this little baby to take our place so that we didn't have to, we didn't have to reap that benefit right there of death, a separation of something forever. We're all going to die. You might say, preacher, we're all going to die. I know we're all going to die. That's the separation of our, of our spirit and our soul from our body, right? Our body goes to the dirt. Our spirit and soul go somewhere else. That's the first death. The second death that we're trying to be saved from, the Bible says there's a great white throne judgment. It says that death, hell, and the sea are going to give up their dead to stand in front of God on this day. Are you following me? Death, hell, and the sea. That means everybody who's ever existed on this earth will stand in front of God. Believe that or not, you're still going to be there. I'll see you there. You have a choice to make today. You will stand in front of God and account for what we've done here on this earth. We will. We all will. It says the sheep will be on the right and the goats will be on the left. You better hope you're on the right. You got a choice to make today. You can get it right. No matter how much you failed, no matter how much you've messed up, no matter how inadequate you feel, you can make this right today. This is what Jesus came to do. That little baby was born to make his entrance in this world to take your place as a sacrifice. And all you got to do is receive it. All you got to do is receive it. So the second death that we're talking about, when you're standing there in front, of the, in front of God on that day at the great white throne judgment, there's going to be two books open. Some of you have heard this many times before. Pray. If you've already heard all this, pray with me, saints. People are going to make some decisions here today. When you're standing there on that day, there's going to be two books open, though. The first book is the book of remembrance. Everything that you've ever done is written in that book. Are you following me? It could have been 20 years ago. You forgot all about it. You'll remember it like it happened last night. It's the book of remembrance. You'll remember it like it happened last night. You're accountable for that. If you ask God to forgive you of your sins, he takes the blood of Jesus and he wipes that book out. He wipes that book clean. Now you're, now you're not responsible for your past anymore, Sister Mary. You're only responsible from right now forward. Right? If we mess up again, we have to ask for forgiveness again. But to repent means to turn away from it. It doesn't mean we say what we did wrong and we continue to do it. 
we turn away from that thing. So we do our best to stay out of trouble. We do our best to, to, to not, not to sin or to do something against the will of God. But at the same time, if we do, we ask for forgiveness again. The second book is the Lamb's, is the Lamb's Book of Life, right? If your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're in good shape. You're going to heaven with God, right? If your name's not in that Lamb's Book of Life, if you've got sin, chart, the Bible says not one sin will be allowed in heaven. If you've got sin that you've got to answer for, you're going to hell. The Bible says, actually says the lake of fire. It actually says the lake of fire. It says that you're separated from God forever. Now, I've heard some preach that you don't have to say it here. You can do it there or whatever. But here's the deal. You've got a decision to make. We have a free will. God gave us all a free will. He'll allow us to go there if we want to. He doesn't want one to perish. He sent his son here to die the most horrible, painful death that he could have ever died so that we could receive this save. That's what we're being saved from is the second death, right? Your spirit, your, your body goes to the ground. Your spirit goes back with God. Your soul goes wherever you prepared it to go, either heaven or hell, heaven or lake of fire. The Bible says the lake of fire burns with brimstone and fire. Brimstone translates to sulfur. Sulfur burns about 5,800 degrees. A cutting torch burns about 6,000 degrees. That gives you some idea of, of the context of it. Imagine a whole lake that's as hot as a cutting torch. You choose. Not much of a choice, right? You choose. You, you choose. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can confess him as Lord today or you can confess him as Lord on that day. But on that day, you're still going to the lake of fire. That's the choice you have. Not much of a choice, really, when you think about it, is it? Not much of a choice at all. Could I get every, every head bowed? Anybody here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Could I see your hand? If you were to die today, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you know that you know that you know that you're on your way to heaven? If there's any doubt in your mind, could I see your hand? I won't call you out. I just want to pray with you. Anybody? Anybody willing to make that commitment with God today? I'm going to take that as everybody's saved then. We have a lot of visitors in the house, so I just want to give every opportunity. Could we go ahead and do the sinner's prayer together just in case? If there's something that you, that you have on your heart that you need to get off, but, you, but you're just a little timid to raise your hand today, could we go ahead and pray together? Just repeat after me if you would. Father, Father please, forgive me. please forgive me. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I, know that your son Jesus I know that your son Jesus died on a cross, on a cross. For, my for my sin. I know that you rose him from the dead. I know he's coming back for me someday. Please live in my heart. Lead me and guide me the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. I want to go ahead and close in prayer. My wife's made you all some goodie bags, though, for the adults. The kids are getting some stuff downstairs. Um, she's made some cookies and I think some candy maybe. She's made a little bag for all of you all. So hang out after church just one second so we can hand them out. Are you going to do them at the back door, honey, or how are you going to do it? She'll hand them out to the back door at you. Couldn't go ahead and close the prayer. Daddy, I thank you for this day, Lord, and I thank you for your infallible word, Lord. I thank you that the seed works every, every 100% of the time, Lord, your seed works, Father God, if we'd get our heart right, Daddy. If we'll seek you out, Lord, if we'll, if we'll yearn for you and want more of you, Father God, I thank you for your word, Dad. And I pray that you would just draw us near to you, Lord. I pray that this seed here falls on good, rich, deep soil today, Lord. If there's something wrong with our soil, Lord, I pray that we would seek you out, Lord. Seek you out, Father God, and seek correction, Father, that we would get it right, Dad. And I pray this to you in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. I pray that you would anoint this church, Lord, and continue to grow this church body, Lord. Grow us together in an atmosphere thick with love, Father. I pray that you would block out all division and separation, Lord, any kind of, any kind of uh, 
ill feelings, Father God. In Jesus' name, we pray these things, Dad. Draw this church dear to you, Lord, and, and bring us together to enjoy celebration with our families of your son's birthday, Father God. Remind us of what it truly means, Father. Keep us safe here, Lord, spiritually, physically, financially, Lord. Keep us safe, Daddy. And I pray that you would bring us back here at our next appointed time, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.